Kingdom, a crushes, dating, friendship and kissing podcast hosted by Love Amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosanna Hoss Rojas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody or nobody. This is a podcast in progress and we'll have guests in the future who aren't people like us. You can send your questions to makeoutwiththem at gmail.com or use hashtag makeoutwiththem on Twitter or tweet at makeoutwiththem. And if possible, please include your pronouns and the name you would like us to call you or just anonymous. Lovely. I hope people are um, reading the intro along with us in their minds now. Yeah. We should have other people do the intro for us. Yeah. I just like the idea that it's so, like, ingrained in people's brains now that people could probably just repeat it back to us in the street if they Maybe we should make merch or permanent tattoos. We should not make merchandise that says, Welcome to Make Out of the My Crush's Dating Friendship and Kissing Podcast, hosted by Love Amateurs, Let's Crouch and Rosie Anna Hulter House. How are you, Lex? I'm all right. I've been ill for a week. My stupid boyfriend got me sick. And this is why you should never have relationships, because it's very easy for germs to travel. And (laughs) now we're both just disgusting. My sister the other day, who lives with me, was like, God, you're both so gross. Because, like, she can just hear us constantly coughing. And one person coughs, and it sets off the other person coughing, like dogs barking in a building. So, you know, it's pretty disgusting right now. (laughs) My relationship is disgusting. You've had a bit of a sickly year, I have to say. Yeah, I've just had a bit of a sickly life. It's because I... Just my, when your main food is potatoes, I don't think there's that many nutrients in potatoes. I could be wrong, but I've actually not been eating chips lately, which is it kind of goes against everything I believe in. It's just, I was going to say, yeah. what is this? It's I know. Changed. I have. It's gone against all my core beliefs because I love chips. But now, right now, my rule is that I'm only eating chips if I make them myself from scratch, which I do. Ooh. I do quite a lot, so it doesn't mean I'm not really eating chips. Like. It's not that much of a barrier to me eating chips. It just means that, like, I'm not constantly... Because chips are such an easy, convenient food. Like, you're out and you need something hot and delicious and filling. And you... Okay, I'm not convincing myself not to eat chips with this. This isn't very helpful. But, yeah, just I'm trying not to eat chips four times a week. That seems like maybe a few too many times. Yeah, I'm, do- I'm in this at the moment because I'm trying to not have, like casual glasses of wine in the week and just kind of oh no I, I, I'm against that you should definitely be drinking casual but it's only because I realized that I was doing it when because I don't really have um I mean except when I was in London recently and like every now and then I don't really have like coke or other fizzy drinks or anything mm. anymore but I realized yeah. that what I was doing when I was having a glass of wine was like it was like that sugar craving for like a can <laughs> of coke or something but with wine and I was like Rosiana that's pathetic <laughs> so I had words with myself um I like, we'll see what happens I like the idea that you're like don't have a coke that would be bad for you instead drink wine <laughs> like I'll be I healthy mean, and I'll have the grape juice the alcoholic grape juice that we call wine I think wine is healthier than coke to be honest <laughs> How, how are you generally apart from your sad wine addiction i'm well i'm well i so i've just got back from all these weeks of travel and chaos um and yeah just doing well feeling pretty happy to be home for a couple of weeks as usual but the next thing is a fun thing the next thing is going to see the killers twice in like three days and going to Lollapalooza. so that'd be fun aren't you um, seeing the killers twice in a few days at the end of the year as well I'm actually seeing them quite a lot this year. How many times? <laughs> I'm seeing them. I'm seeing them in. Um, so I'm seeing them in Milwaukee at the beginning of August, and then I'm going to Lollapalooza from Milwaukee, and so that's like Lord and the Killers and Chance and Arcade Fire. Nice. Um, and then I'm hopefully, but subject to change, seeing them in Phoenix at this festival called Lost Lake Festival mm-hmm. um, from the people who did Outside Lands. 
and that's yeah that's in october and then at the end of november i'm flying back to the uk and seeing them at the year two two days in a row it's gonna be great i mean I okay music. this comes from a place of love but i don't understand <laughs> i don't i feel like you're gonna hang up the call and end this podcast i i think the killers are perfectly nice <laughs> Basically, yesterday at work, my boss was trying to get tickets when because they, they opened the general sale for those tickets. <laughs> Rookies. <laughs> for plebs. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, the plebeian general sale for idiots. Anyway, basically, she was meant to get tickets for her daughter um, to go see the killers, and she forgot, and she was an hour late, and they were all gone. And I was like, really? The killers are the kind of band that sells out in an hour? Hey. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, <laughs> yes. They had to add new dates for Birmingham and Manchester. This is right, but this is what confuses me because I think they're perfectly nice background music. <laughs> oh my god, so mean. No, I know that... It crushes my soul. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sure, like, you know, I, I think they have, obviously they have worth and validity and all these things. But to me, you know, they're... Yeah, they're I'm, your background music. Yeah. And they're, it, the, they're the music within my veins. It feels as, con- like, okay, this is going to be worse, but it feels as confusing to me as if people were like, oh my God, did you get tickets for Maroon 5? No, they sold out in an hour. <laughs> oh my God, that's savage. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Because the thing is, I completely understand Ouch. that they're not like Maroon 5. But in my mind, they could be Maroon 5. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so hurt right now. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even tell you. I've cut you to <laughs> your core. So crushing. When it, they played in, they played the uh, headlining gig at British Summertime the other week, mm-hmm. um, which is the big like Hyde Park. Yeah, I kept seeing posters for that. And that like one of the first few times that well, not the very first, but uh, some among the first few times I saw them was a um, Hard Rock Calling, which was then the Hyde Park thing, mm. and that was such an amazing experience, and it was a wonderful gig, and it was one of the first times I've been like front of barrier. Nice. And looking back at the pictures from uh, British Summertime, I got really emotional and Aww. upset that I wasn't there, and because so many people were tweeting about it, because it's a massive, massive crowd. Yeah. Um, and it was like the only the only date that had actually sold out, so it was like properly to capacity. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I was looking at pictures, and then they posted, they posted after that they posted a picture of the crowd, and then they were like, "Only London." And I was like, "Oh, that's so emotional! <laughs> London's so great." <laughs> I'm sorry that I have insulted your precious. It's fine, angels. It's fine because you know what? More tickets for me. Yeah, and also I'm sure there's plenty of music I listen to that you're like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I'm sure. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Hard Rock Calling <laughs> that I went to when my my friend's sister got us free tickets, and Bruce Springsteen was headlining. So I very casually what? went to see Bruce Springsteen with like no intention of going. Just like, oh, do you want to go see this show tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And we saw Bruce Springsteen. Wow. And it was just so funny. That's so cool. I know. And everyone there was obviously like a super fan. And I was like, yeah, Bruce Springsteen's cool. Whatever. I don't know. And um, when they, the way that they like chant his name is that they go, Bruce. And I thought everyone was <laughs> booing. And I was really confused. <laughs> I was like, why are all these people here to see him if they're just going to boo him? And then eventually my friend Jenny was like, they're saying Bruce, Lex. They're not booing him. I was like, oh, well, why are they saying it that way? Bruce. There's kind of a masterful move, a move like have a chant that sounds like booze so like that if someone heckling. actually boos, you're like, oh, they're just They're just Bruce. cheering for me. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I go through life. I just assume that everyone's like, <laughs> if they're mean about me, then they're being sarcastic because I'm so great. That's how it works, yeah. right? Last night... Shall we answer some questions? No, because I want to tell a story. I selfishly want to tell a story story. that happened to me last night. 
Last night I went to see the comedian Rob Delaney uh, do a stand-up show. Um, you may know him from uh, the Twitter. He's quite good on Twitter. Twitter. He's big on the Twitter and he has a show called Catastrophe, which is good. And I um, watched it basically the whole show in a day and really enjoyed it. Anyway, and he's a very nice man and he got me uh, comped tickets to see him because we'd like had a couple of chats on Twitter before. And um, <laughs> so we saw the show and it was good. And afterwards I was like, oh, say hi. And I said hello. But I just, I was, <laughs> I just made a fool of myself. I was really tired and sick still. And I'd had a lot of vodka and it was just really uncomfortable, probably for him, <laughs> because I was just like, hey, there was just silence. And he's like, hey. How's it going? I'm like, good. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really uncomfortable and I felt really bad. And then we went our separate ways and then we were walking to the tube station and I said to my boyfriend, I was like, he's probably going to be on the same trip. Like, he's going to arrive at the station at the same time as us. He was like, nah, he's going a different way. And I was like, okay. Obviously, we're sitting on the platform and who walks down the platform? (laughs) Rob Delaney. And then he just, he could have, bless him, he's so nice. He could have avoided us. He could have been like, oh, there's that weird girl that like I tried to have a conversation with and she wasn't capable of human speech. Instead, he was like, well, and he just sat down next to us and like continued the chat. And it was actually fine. And we chatted until like he got off the train. Um, He's a very nice, very large man, very bear-like man, just very She's very big, Rosiana. He's a very big man. Um, he's just a. T- t- I'm picturing you talking on a tube station with an actual bear. Yeah, but well, it, it was it's like really it was like the you... deleted scene of being with Hagrid on the on the underground. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so hard when you're in that situation when you know that you're going to meet someone that you like admire or have chatted with or yeah. whatever. And then there's so much fresh in that moment to say something. And I've often, like, I'll go and having rehearsed something. But I remember yeah. this has actually happened when I... Um, so when Brandon Flowers released his recent uh, solo album, The Desired Effect, I go- had a chance to go to, like, a sign, like, a quick, like, he'll sign the cover of your album and you'll have, like, 20 seconds in front of him thing. Yeah. Um, and it had been a long time since I'd been, like, properly starstruck. And I went up and I'd, like, rehearsed this little line to say. But instead of, like, saying it in the cool, casual, like, hey, way, I just spat it at him pretty much. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, your music is a gift! <laughs> I really appreciate your ability to bring any conversation back to the killers. It's a special gift Well, they're have. on my mind now that you apparently hate them. I don't hate them. I think they're absolutely fine that's even worse it's like though. a dagger to the rather heart that you actually hated them <laughs> anyway now we should answer some questions all right should i take this first one from kate yeah do it hi lex and rosiana i've been chatting with a really lovely guy on okcupid for about a month and after having some really interesting conversations we decided to have a phone call that went pretty well and although i haven't really felt a spark of chemistry you really can't expect that from texting and calling the problem is he lives a few states away and we are both quite happy at our jobs and would have no reason to relocate in the next few years. If things kept going well, it would be long-distance relationship from the very beginning and would stay that way for a while. I feel ready to throw in the towel, as there seems to be no point in letting myself get interested in someone so geographically unavailable. And yet, I find him more engaging than any guy I've ever met in the city where I live. How in the world should I proceed? Although the podcast hasn't been going that long, your advice from the Make Out With Him video has been already been a great help to me. So I'm excited to be a loyal listener to Make Out With Him. Lots of love, Kate. Aww, a loyal listener. We have some of those. That's so sweet. I can't imagine why. I feel like that only loyal listener is like my boyfriend, who I'm sure just listens to this to see if I say anything about him, which I always do. I actually was having a conversation about this the other day about how um, long distance should probably be a temporary measure. Like, yeah. 
long distance should be uh, a temporary thing, but you should have a plan to end up in the same place. I mean, maybe that's not always true, but it just feels like unless you can have all your needs fulfilled long distance, which I don't think many people can, maybe some people can, but unless you can kind of see that as being a long-term thing, like you are both happy where you are. You have no plans to, you know, I mean, obviously you don't have plans to relocate. You don't even know the guy. Maybe I'm just being too like risk adverse, but you, you risk the chance of like forming a bond with this person and then having to have the conversation where you're like, okay, well, neither of us are going to move. So never mind. Guess that's it. Like you. Right. I, I, but then it's also like yeah. forcing you to have a serious conversation early on. is kind of weird. Like, so what are we doing here? Can you imagine yourself moving in a couple of years? That's weird. It's just weird. Right, I agree. I definitely, I feel like anything long distance involves escalating things sometimes before you're even ready to. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I do know a couple of people in, like, pretty successful long distance relationships that have been going on for a little while, but they usually started by them being in the same place and then yeah. having to move apart and wanting to continue it. Um, which isn't, again, isn't to say it can't happen, so I don't want to be, like, a huge uh, downer on it. Um, but the other thing I would say is that uh, I'm trying to just read back. I mean, you've been having chats for about a month. Um, you had a phone call and like texting and calling and so on. I don't know that you necessarily have to be in a relationship, depending on how you're feeling. I mean, it can be someone that you just chat to a lot and that you find that deep engagement with and you have another kind of relationship, whether it's like a more intimate friendship or something else. Like, It doesn't mean that you have to have that. You have to not have that in your life and you can kind of see how it's going as long as you're communicative and open about you know where you're both at and so on but I, I agree with Lex in that like you have to I feel like at least if this is what you eventually want with someone um have some kind of sense of when you might be able to be together and then also talk to yourself about whether or not that time frame is reasonable and worth like and worth it really but it does make you kind of you have to make kind of cold decisions <laughs> and yeah as I said you kind of have to escalate things a little bit earlier than you might otherwise have unless you go through like the friend route first also you said you don't have chemistry with him yet and that like you can't expect that from texting and calling when you're I've been in long distance relationships multiple times the way that your relationship is when you're long distance is that texting and calling and the kind of in-between stuff becomes your relationship because that's the majority of the time you are spending together is kind of through those mediums so how that person is over phone calls over texting and stuff is actually really important if you're saying you don't really feel chemistry like through those forms of communication like I don't know I don't know man because you just yeah that person becomes how they text like when I date people who live near to me it's not such a problem like if you see each other all the time it's not an issue because the main way that they are with you is like them in person like their 3d human flesh cage i meant body but i went with flesh cage that's fine <laughs> um whereas actually and the texting kind of becomes imbued with who they are in person as well yeah because you're seeing more of them and like that's something that i always found yeah i find in any like long distance relationship is like not knowing if someone's saying something kindly or nastily or oh my god yeah as a joke or meaning it very sincerely because i kind of don't know their tone as well as i yeah. wanted to yeah i i feel mean saying this because 
because uh, my boyfriend will listen to it. And also I'm recording this podcast in his house. <laughs> I think sometimes the things, like the way that my current boyfriend texts me, if I didn't know him as a person, sometimes I'd be like, oh, that's a bit cold. So like if it was a long distance <laughs> relations, <laughs> I'm going to tell him that I said this after I'm finished recording. Um, so it doesn't spring on him. I know. Like I'm currently betraying him in his bedroom. Um, oh, that's such a dramatic like <laughs> it's dramatic betrayal it. in his bedroom you know some people just are really good at expressing themselves over text and like being themselves and uh coming across in a really conversational way and some people you know that's not their their forte and that's completely fine but you just have to like find ways to make sure you're still communicating and yeah phone calls is definitely a way to be able to do that and be able to hear tone of voice and stuff i'm very guilty of like having fights over text like bringing up serious things over text because I'm a coward and it's easier to do that. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where you really need to know how the other person is feeling. And even though... Phone- and tech definitely helps that. Like it definitely is helpful to have things like phone phone calls and video chats and FaceTimes and whatever. And Skype sex. Skype sex. Just me? Very, okay, that's fine. Very important if you're into it. Um, <laughs> but... I do also think, and this, I really like, I really don't want to like rain on anyone who is in currently in a long distance relationship because I'm not, I don't want to say that like it's a less valuable relationship or anything like that. But there is something that you also definitely get from being in person when it comes to things like tone and, and part of the conversation. Yeah. What's I all- don't know. I mean, it's hard because I don't want you to throw in the towel, you know, because you, you said you find him more engaging than any guy you've ever met in the city that you live in. Like, that's not to be undervalued, but yeah. it's going to be hard. <laughs> I've had this conversation with my therapist a lot about intimacy and about how, like, if you're the kind of person who likes physical contact and stuff, intimacy is such an important part of a relationship. And by that, I don't just mean, like, sexual intimacy. I mean, like, physical things like hugging and holding hands and stuff. That adds a dimension to a relationship. I think it's a little bit different if you start out living in the same place and then you become long distance like obviously you'll miss that stuff but you know how that stuff fits into your relationship whereas if you mostly don't see the other person it can be really tricky to work out like how that works and how you function without it because I mean maybe you're a kind of person who, who you know doesn't care so much about that kind of thing but I do I need to be constantly petted like a dog that's not my fetish that's just what Anyway, me petted like a dog. Next question. Next question, please. Also, I think we're probably doing that thing again when we make, uh, when we go really in depth and make a big deal out of something that's not a thing yet. Because it's like she's just chatting to this guy, and we're like, listen, I know intimacy. Listen, and let's lay it out. I've read yeah. your tarot cards, and this is what I'm seeing. Rosiana, when we were on holiday, you were reading people's tarot cards, right? And I was. You were reading everyone's futures, and I wouldn't let you read mine because at the time I was waiting for some kind of like serious news, and I was like, "No way am I letting you read those cards because regardless of what they say, I'm going to twist it to like add to my anxiety and just freaking out." Even though obviously I don't really believe in it, but I'm just like, "Nah, I don't need that in my life." I was like, keep those, <laughs> "Totally." I mean, keep your witch cards away from me, devil woman. That's what I was like. Well, and then for, oh yeah, it was bad, because we were, um, yeah, so we were on holiday, I was reading everyone's cards, my sister got me these cards for my last birthday, and I've just been having a lot of fun with them, and, uh, with my witch cards, and (laughs) you were waiting for news about someone, like, like, health news related to someone, and then the last person's card I read, I pulled 
the death card and you were like that's exactly why i don't want to do this yeah okay fine. yeah someone got the death card and i was like yeah this is why i didn't want you to like obviously anyway which cards man which cards who'd have them ellie says what tips do you have for keeping your cool around an ex particularly if, if it's the first time you've seen each other since your breakup i realize it's going to be at least a little awkward but as the dumpy i really want it to go as smoothly as possible and i want to avoid horrendously embarrassing myself so any things to remember things to avoid calming mantras and general advice would be appreciated thanks ellie well i don't know about calming mantras but i'm a big believer in hype songs um <laughs> when you're if you know that you're gonna yeah if you're gonna see them in an environment have a little playlist of like, I don't know, who run the world or something. <laughs> and just like all the killers, you know, the greatest man of all time. Um, and just play them into your ears <laughs> on as you five. get there, as you go there. Build yourself up. And that just also helps me feel a bit more like relaxed and at ease. The other thing I would say is kind of like related to the thing I was saying earlier about meeting someone you admire is try not to, like, rehearse lines too much. Mm. Um, So, like, don't have, like, a thing that you want to say because then you're going to be trying to find a way to say it. And then, at least if you're me, I kind of stop listening to what they're saying and just try and find a way to shoehorn it in. And it's always a really, like, anachronistic point in the conversation. (laughs) This is a really extreme version of that, but um, this is just time for me to do a humble brag. When I was on Newsnight, um, I was uh, like debating this girl, this like this 19 year old student. And we were talking about the morning after pill. It was really weird. I don't know why they asked me to do that. They were just like, you're a person. You must have opinions. You've had sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they said. They called me up and went, hey, have you ever had sex? I went, yeah. And they were like, perfect. Let's put you on TV. (laughs) Um, this poor girl thought that she'd be allowed to read basically from a script that she'd written. So she'd written down all these things to say, like these full paragraphs. And she'd clearly sat down with, you know, someone else and rehearsed this whole thing. And they told her she wasn't allowed to bring it out. And she was really upset. And she was like, but that's all the things I need to say. And they're on that piece of paper. And they were like, just, you know, speak from your heart, you know, say, say what you think. She was like, no, everything I, everything I think is on the paper. And if you watch that clip back, it's so uncomfortable because the thing happened where, yeah, she only knew what she had rehearsed. And when other people were trying to talk to her about other things, about other people, I mean, Mr. Jeremy Paxman, like she just panicked because she, it wasn't going, the conversation wasn't going how she had needed it to go so that she could say exactly what she wanted to say. So, you know, so it's like that, that, but for relationships, like don't, you, yeah, you're not, the conversation's probably not going to go the way you expect it to. So don't embarrass yourself on the television of life by rehearsing (laughs) there's all this weird stuff isn't there about you want to appear like really put together and really like your life's going great especially if you're the person who's being dumped you want to seem really yeah like you're doing really well and there's that kind of element of competition of you know feeling like whose life is going better and who's more over the relationship and stuff but i feel like it's probably more helpful to just be maybe just a slightly better version of what you're feeling (laughs) maybe you're completely fine but i feel like it's completely fine to you know dress nice and feel confident and put together and focus on the positives of your life uh, especially when having you know kind of conversations with an ex it's fine to you know talk up the good parts of your life it's really weird because when you're in a relationship with somebody you're super close to them for however short period of time that is most of the time you're yeah that person becomes the person you are closest to and 
then you suddenly lose that. And obviously it's difficult to just fall into friendship or whatever, but this is a person who knows you and they're probably going to be able to tell if you're putting on a front or, you know, not being completely honest about things. So don't feel like you have to completely open up and, you know, cry in front of them if you're having a bad time. But I think there's no harm in just being yourself, the person that they know, like they know you. And if things are a bit rough, it's probably fine. Just be like, yeah, things are a bit tricky right now, but I'll be fine. These are the good things going on in my life. Yeah, the other thing I was also going to say is that, like, if you drink or anything like that, like, don't try and have that be one of those nights where you, like, don't drink a lot, where you maybe have, like, one drink at most. Um, Because you are maybe going to want to find some kind of coping mechanism to get you through the night or (laughs) whatever it is, if it is a night at all. Or the day, you know, really any (laughs) any time, breakfast, any time of day. Um... But sometimes when I've done that, when I'm kind of going into situations that I know are going to be difficult, because I'm so nervous, I don't realise how much I'm drinking, and then oh, I just yeah. get pretty drunk, and then it has much more of a chance like to dive into chaos and emotional confessions and yeah. all that stuff. And that's just like not a good situation for anyone, because then you have to have like a follow-up conversation, and you don't sometimes know exactly what you said and all this stuff and it just it just creates like an extra level of paranoia so mm. if you can remove the paranoia from your life that's also in advance that's also <laughs> a good point but also you don't have to talk for like it doesn't have to be like a 20 minute conversation it can be a hello it can be like you don't even have to talk to them if you're not ready to um mm. but i think just being like it especially if you have mutual friends and so on which i'm sure like there's people you have in common um it's just easier sometimes to just be able to say like hey hope you're doing well or like hey how's it going and just kind of keep it quite open and loose and then it doesn't have to be definitive that's the time you're great friends or always cool around each other or everything's fine but that's like the first step um so yeah I also think that if you you might have unfinished business like a ghost (laughs) and um you might feel like there are things that you need closure on and stuff and it depends what the situation is it it if you're in any kind of group scenario or it's a party or anything like that definitely not the time to bring those things up and yeah (laughs) especially with the drinking and stuff if you are drinking yeah it's probably not the ideal time but i also think there's no harm in if you do have things that you want to talk about to kind of clear the air in you know arranging to have that conversation with them in a in a kind of one-on-one situation because I've definitely had breakups before where I've been like I don't really want to be your friend yet because we haven't sorted things out between us if you know breakups are weird and sometimes things are left in the air and you don't get that closure and you you want to have that conversation and if that stuff's still hanging around like hanging over you or in your brain it might make it difficult for you to be chill around them or yeah feel like you can have any kind of relationship with them even if that's just a a nice friendly acquaintanceship um so yeah I don't know I think it's okay to also want to have a chat and clear the air I have had a few Facebook conversations with my ex-boyfriend and that's fine like yeah we can talk on Facebook that's that's pretty much the level I'm comfortable with friendship and I think that's fine to be able to just yeah define your limits and be like I'm fine with that but I'm not interested in anything else so I don't know 
do it on your own terms, especially because you're the person who got dumped. Like you're in a more vulnerable position and you're probably both aware of that. So yeah, you kind of call the shots in this situation. I always think that like if I break up with somebody, their boundaries are the ones that matter to me the most because they're the person who probably got hurt the most. Um, Not necessarily, but unfortunately that's what tends to happen in breakups. One person is, yeah, actively ending the relationship and the other person doesn't necessarily get much of a say in the relationship ending. So you're the person who's in that position and you kind of get to call the shots of what you're comfortable with. Our next question is from Bren, who says, Hey gals, I've gone and got myself in a bit of a pickle. I've been seeing a guy for a few months and I like him a lot. It's all good, except I may have accidentally caught him in a big old fib. Essentially because of some plot, I was surfing the web looking for his email address and click, click, what do you know, found his birth records instead. He's four <laughs> years older than I thought. Honestly, I'm not sure why I thought he was 27. I may well just have guesstimated an age and stuck with it, but something seems a little off. Should I ask him about it or just let it slide, seeing as I'm not really fussed by the age difference? <laughs> this is weird, right? Because you say you're not sure if you're not sure why you thought he was a certain age. So is it actually a lie or did you make it up because you assumed he That's was my question. the same age yeah. as like the celebrities when they die? That's 27, right? That unfortunately a lot of famous yeah. musicians have died at. Anyway. Is he a ghost? Is he a ghost? Ghost Does of the theme of this podcast. Does he have unfinished business? I think we should do like a... Do we know that it's a guy? There should be like a, yes. a word of okay. the podcast that we do. Like word of the day, but it's word of the podcast. Like this this podcast yes. word is ghost. Anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's like if you like met him on Tinder or another app, like maybe that was his age on there. Maybe. Maybe he mentioned it. You'd think at some point he would have mentioned his age yeah. enough for you to notice the dissonance, but maybe not. It's weird. I think, first of all, what you have to establish is, did he ever tell you his age? Like, where did you get that number from? And this is also good. This is a research-heavy question because you did some research into him on the internet and now you're going to have to research back through your conversations and try and work out why you thought he was 27 because it's not on him if that was something that you kind of made up in your brain, which I'm not saying it is because I'm sure you got it from somewhere, but like work that out. Um, I think the next stage is to um, ask him how old he is. Like, yes, just you can, you can bring it up in a casual way if you want. Like you can tell him. I don't think there's anything that weird about being like, I mean, I guess maybe it is a little weird to say to someone you've only been seeing a couple of months. So I was looking at your birth records on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is distinctly an odd thing to communicate to someone. I don't think it's a weird thing to do. No, it's not exactly weird to do. It's the kind of thing that I do. Yeah. But, which means that it's not weird, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that it is an odd thing to tell someone and that they may feel uncomfortable about it. But there's got to be it's, a way to figure out, Facebook. like, how many candles should I be putting on your next Yeah, day? that's just the thing. checking. There's like, that's a really easy question to find out the answer to you can just literally be like oh well what year are you born again like you can just talk about you know i mean yeah not just out of nowhere especially if you're booking like a holiday book a holiday (laughs) book a holiday to uncover this lie this is we're taking a little far now yeah book a holiday i think so and then you need to put it on the flight details i think you should just yeah you can easily bring up like oh well when i was born this isn't this what year were you born in again or you know anything like that that's a really easy thing to ask somebody 
Um, you can even yeah. you can even just say like, "How old are you?" I feel like I know you're 27, but I'm. Is that right? Am I? Where did I get that from? That's a really easy thing to say. It's completely normal to be like, "I don't quite remember how old you are," which is you know, sorry, I don't remember, but how old are you? And then if he lies, you said to that you, the right amount of casual. So maybe they should like record that, get that audio recording, and then put it in their mouth so that you come out saying this. But it sounds so casual yeah, that they wouldn't perfect. even tell the difference. Perfect. I think yeah, and then. If he lies then, I think that you can then bring it up again and maybe not at the same time be like, ha, caught you in a lie. But you could, you know, this is, I feel this feels so convoluted, but like wait a little bit and then be like, oh, this is weird. But I, yeah, I was looking for your email address and I happened to see this and what, why are you lying about your age? Yeah, I would then have some follow-up questions actually. So my first follow-up question from having determined the age that he says he is if it's different from the age the birth records show, would be firstly, is there any chance that someone has started this like weird, like political show us your birth certificate campaign with some (laughs) fake birth records online? Secondly, um, just make sure you've corroborated those birth records like at least two or three times. Maybe hire someone to (laughs) hire a private detective somewhere in person. Yeah. It's Veronica Mars is available and well paid. Um, what if it's not him? What if the birth records are for someone who has the same name as him and was born in the well, same exactly, town? Well, exactly. That's the question. It very, very likely could be. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that inevitably, if he has lied to you about this one thing, or not inevitably, maybe it's just <laughs> oh my it's God. me, there may be other things that you're like, oh, is he lying to me about this thing? And it just reminded me of this friend of mine who was dating this guy, found out he was lying to her about everything oh like, god e- like like basic small facts in his life um like yeah just the the tiniest tiniest things like employment said he'd been in the army when he had it like all of this stuff what um and then it just makes that all doubt and if that starts to become apparent then that is a different situation that you should <laughs> probably address by like having a really serious conversation but yeah. i think that the birth records conversation could be quite light-hearted and fluffy because yeah. it is if you make it seem like ultimately, oh, you find it quite funny. If you do find it funny, yeah. Well, you said it doesn't matter to you. Like if it doesn't, yeah. if it's if it doesn't bother you, that's fine. But yeah, you need to work out why that is a lie that has been told. If it is, if it if we determine through extensive research that he has yeah. lied, then he's why it's a lie and exactly reason. how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. We crushed it. Good work, detectives. What a weird time for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's so odd. Yeah. That I wonder if odd. it changes anything about him. Yeah. Like, his perspective on the world. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> You're like, no, Rosanna. It might stop. Doesn't. It doesn't. Shush now. I'm kidding. Doesn't. Never shush. Our next question comes from Lucy, who says, Hi, Lex and Rosanna. I've recently started my first serious relationship and I'm very happy. I was single for a long time and I was absolutely fine with it. I'm happy in my own company and could cope with loneliness in my own way. I'm worried now that I'm in a relationship that I might be losing myself and my ability to be happy alone. I really don't know what to do about it. Do you have any advice? Lucy. Well, first of all, I have no idea. <laughs> well, to start you off, I don't Having know. had zero of this experience i have no idea i have i have knowledge of the previous part but i don't know about this so lex i'm going to throw this one to you um it is actually a really tricky one because it's part of the nature of relationships that 
you end up spending a lot of time with this person and you become reliant on them in a lot of ways, um, you know, emotionally and also in terms of just your time. Like you, I was going to say invest a lot of time. You spend a lot of time with somebody and it reaches a point where, yeah, like A, time spent alone feels a bit weird because you're used to there being somebody else around. And B, I guess you worry that like if there's a breakup, then suddenly there'll be all this time that you used to spend with this other person. Um I think it's important to just make sure you you really use the time that you have by yourself because I know that there's a sometimes a temptation to feel like oh I wish I was spending this time with them like or to feel like it's a wasted evening if you're not spending time with either yeah your friends or this person you're in a relationship with it just feels like it should feel like precious alone time is something that I've kind of taught myself to do it should feel like a special treat to be like this evening is just for me and I get to do whatever I want especially you know you can do things that the other person doesn't like doing which is quite nice like you can watch tv shows they don't want to watch and stuff like that um eat the foods they don't want to eat it's just nice to have that time that's kind of precious to you and I think that if you think about it that way and you manage to reframe it positively and be like this is my yeah carved out time just for myself that can be really helpful in just generally feeling better about alone time um and also it kind of helps you feel I know this wasn't really your question but it kind of helps you feel like if the relationship did end you are good at yeah treasuring that time that you have to yourself and you're good at making use of that and obviously you know and ends of relationships are sad regardless um but it is good to train yourself to be comfortable in your own presence there's a song lyric I'm just monologuing now there's a song lyric um I can't remember who it's by but it's a lyric that's like learning how to be alone without being lonely and I always used to think about that because it is hard sometimes because you know especially if you're used to being around other people being alone and being lonely become synonymous with each other but um I yeah you just need to reframe it in your brain. So much of making positive change about how you live your life is just about reframing the things in your head, which therapy is very helpful for, in case anyone's ever interested. <laughs> um, I feel like this podcast is just an advert for therapy. <laughs> I mean, it is, and also the ending of relationships. Um, is the song I'm like, uh, Paul Barabo Christmas Lights? Yes, yes it is. Me and my friend Ian used to listen to, I think it's Paul Barabo? Paul Barrett I don't know but um he's a very shouty man and I really enjoyed his music and I'd kind of forgotten it existed until now um he's I've like, never listened to this song before one of the pictures that comes up when you search for Paul Barabo is um Dave from Blue Skies who is a man on the internet who is involved in the YouTube community and he uh, runs Summer in the City now um but that's just really funny because he has an empire in fact he has an empire a a summer in the city empire because he Mm -hmm. me and dave and ian used to listen to this guy a lot um like when we were driving places and stuff so that's nice oh it's because he did a cover nice anyway this is a huge huge tangent but i really like that lyric The, the whole lyric is learning how to be alone without being lonely learning how to be lonely without losing my mind and i remember always listening to that and being like yeah that's a very valuable lesson to learn. And it is. You just have to, yeah, reframe these things. Reframe alone time that feels lonely into alone time that's just a celebration of you and the stuff that you enjoy doing alone. 
Um, because I'm definitely I love celebrations of self. Yeah, celebrations of self and activities. Yeah, they're great, and I I'm really bad at this. Like, I definitely go through periods of time where I freak out if I don't have plans, and spending time alone really weirds me out and makes me feel like I'll never have friends again and stuff. I mean, this is clearly my deep rooted issues, but um, it's because I went through a time in my life when I didn't really have many friends, and so when I feel like I haven't got any plans and you know there's nothing coming up in my life I revert back into that state where I'm like oh my god it's happened again I've got no friends again I'm 12 again but um yeah you just have to you just have to find ways of enjoying your alone time and making that special and precious to you and then you'll feel less weird about it and yeah I can't who was it that I can't remember somebody said to me something about having a night off like I was spending a lot of time with my boyfriend and then I didn't one night and they were like, oh, you're having a night off. And I'm like, it's not a night off. Wow. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like being in a relationship is a job. It's just... I was going to say, is that like work to yeah. get holiday pay? But then I... Yeah, but then I kind of understand what they meant. They just meant it's a night, yeah, where you are just you on your own by yourself and that's completely fine. But we're always on our own by ourselves because we're trapped in our heads. We're born alone we and we die alone. <laughs> and we're just spinning on this lonely planet in a devastating velocity and could fall out of the sky at any time. Well, I hope that's made you feel anyway. better about things, Lucy. <laughs> so our last question of uh, this week's pod is from Sarah. And Sarah says, Dear Lex and Rosanna, how do you know you love someone? I have all the feels for my boyfriend and I don't know if it's love. Also, for how long is it considered too soon to say you love someone? We've been a couple for about four months and it's my first relationship. If it helps, I'm 24 and he's 31. Omnia vincit amor et not queremus amori. Love conquers all things. Let us yield to love. Sarah. Aww. That's nice. Let us yield to love. Um, I just have to point out that when I picked this question for the podcast, <laughs> I was I was having the same internal struggle as this as this question. <laughs> and Oh um, boy, were you? Jesus. Listen, we're not gonna go <laughs> into this because my boyfriend is listening. But I was kind of having those thoughts and um it was just really funny because I picked this question and went well I obviously can't answer this question on the podcast until I've had that conversation with him <laughs> but now it's fine because I have um anyway that's enough of my do personal you, life do you have conclusive findings from it no I mean I'm gonna just talk generally because you know yeah don't talk about your specific <laughs> This is, don't this don't is the, enhance the bedroom betrayal. This is the Lex's personal life podcast. Um, when isn't it? So, shut up. So, I think that love is this weird thing, which I actually, everything I say, I'm like, I had this conversation with my therapist, but I did. I had this conversation with my therapist ages ago where I was like, love isn't a concrete thing. It's not like, it's not like having having a okay it's not like having a uti right here's my this is what i'm gonna run with it's not like having a uti where you either do or you don't have a uti and they measure a uti by being like yeah you got bacteria in your pee you can't just be like yes you have the love bacteria in your heart therefore you are in love like there's no it's not this state of being that you can either be in or not that just you know there's no clear-cut line and that's such a weird thing because people make such a big deal out of it and that moment where you like feel like you're in love or you fall in love or whatever but, you know, for some people, there might be a moment where they suddenly realize they're in love. But for lots of people, it's just a thing that gradually grows. And you suddenly kind of look around and go, oh, I'm, I'm in love. Nice. And I think it's different for everyone. Like, there's no feeling of being in love that's universal. It's just like, 
if you feel that that's something you want to express to somebody, if you feel like it makes sense for you and you can imagine yourself saying that you love them, like, and you, yeah, that's what you feel. It's just an instinctive thing, which isn't very helpful because you're like, how do you know? But you know because you want to say it, I think. Like, or you yeah. know, or you know because you say it inside your head sometimes or you just have that kind of rush of feeling and you're like, oh, I think that I love that person. Um, and I also think that the whole like too soon thing is weird because you just, whenever you feel ready, that's that's when it is. If you feel yeah. like four months is plenty of time to, to, especially if you've been spending a lot of time with someone, four months is a, you know, that's a significant amount of, I was actually having this conversation where I said the other day that if you, I know it's different, but you could literally go on like, a, a long weekend camping trip with strangers and by the end of it you'd all be saying I love you so much I'm gonna miss you so much like that's kind of how proximity works like if you spend a lot of time with someone you can develop feelings of like love not romantic love but you can very quickly feel a connection of love to a person um so I don't think it's anything to do with time like you're very close to people when you're in a relationship with them and it you're you're ready when you're ready you know when you know some people know after you know a month and you might not always want to express it if you know after a month but you know maybe you do and but also the question of like you don't know if it's love i think that the way we talk about love in a in like a broader social context makes it seem like that very like binary yes or no thing like you know it if you're in it you know it if you have it you know if you've got the uti and your pee is burning (laughs) it's not from my understanding of it from afar as a spectator um (laughs) it doesn't seem to be that i think if like affection can be love and um caring can be love and wanting to spend time with them can be love and all of those combined if they if they combine to all the feels and that for you is kind is how you want to express it then that's what it is for you like that's it's not a question of being right or wrong about it um and maybe later in your life you'll have another experience if this person isn't the person you stay with forever maybe you'll have another experience and you'd be like oh maybe I wasn't in love then maybe I'm in love now but like don't discount that and don't discount the way you're feeling right now or or necessarily try to like be hypercritical of it because what you feel right now is valid and true for you in this moment you know i really enjoyed you saying you like like love from afar like love as a spectator sport um yes i i mean it's not i'm not really given a fucking choice man everyone's in a bloody relationship these days yeah sorry about that um (laughs) deep deep i'm very happy my friends are happy it's fine I, w- I would be pretty grumpy about it. So I, <laughs> you're, you're a better woman than I. I um, I was in love when I was 14. And it's one of those things where you, it, it's, you know, a different love when you're 14. But I don't want to discount that as not being real because it was real. Like for my 14-year-old self and the capacity that I could feel love for a person and you know, have a relationship with them. That was very real for me at the time. So I, yeah, it is a weird thing where you often discount different experiences, especially teenage experiences, because we're very bad at that. We're always like, ah, teenagers, they have all these emotions. It's like, yeah, we do We do have emotions as teenagers and they're real and valid just because they're teenage emotions. So yeah, I don't know. I always look back at even actually a relationship that I had where um, it only lasted, I think, two or three months 
and it was you know not a serious relationship we didn't say we loved each other or anything like that um but I remember being so devastated when he broke up with me and my he'd given me a, a rose for Valentine's Day and my dad watched me carry it to the end of the garden crying and throw it on the compost heap and oh, yeah it was very dramatic I think it was raining and even though we'd only been together a couple of months and it definitely wasn't a serious relationship, we probably only saw each other about once a week and, you know, heavily chaperoned because I was 13 or something. That definitely was love in the way that I could feel it in that moment. Like, that was, you know, I was very much heartbroken and I was as much in love as you kind of can be when you're 13 years old. So, I don't know. Love is not a specific thing. Love is just... Yeah, when I'm about to launch into Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I literally was just thinking that. Love is a many splendid thing. <laughs> um, I yeah, it's just it's, I've gone full into it in my head. <laughs> well, the other thing I was also going to say is that like that that moment of saying I love you has a different kind of like um, marking throughout your life. Because I feel like when you're a teenager, saying I love you means something very specific in terms of like, oh, we had the I love you moment. Yeah. And then when you're in your 20s, it's something different. And then who knows what's to come? Who I don't know. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, it has this strange kind of like currency outside of also what you're feeling. And yeah. that, it's hard not to have that come into it. Yeah, because it's like a relationship. Of like too soon, because what it means about you know, what it's supposed to quote-unquote mean about your relationship. Yeah. And, like, whether your relationship is quote-unquote real is somehow contingent on whether or not you've told them that you love them. It's like a um, relationship step, isn't it? People are like, yeah. okay, what happens is you fancy someone and then you get into a relationship with them and then you you say whether or not you're actually officially girlfriend and boyfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And that's, like, the next step. And then the next step after that is the I love you step. And then after that, like, you know, maybe in the future it's like if you move in together and then getting engaged and getting married and having children. Like, it's that weird path where a relationship instead of just being a thing between two people you know and literally what it is a relationship like how two people relate to each other it's become this kind of stepping stones path where you're like it feels like you're constantly moving you have to be moving forward towards the next relationship goal which is how we've been very much conditioned to feel but i think it's kind of bullshit because i mean a a lot of people don't want marriage and kids and stuff like that um and b it just it means you, yeah, you feel like your relationship has to be moving somewhere and moving forward for it to be healthy. And that's not true because you, a relationship is just two people. It's whatever two people make of it or three people or however many people. And, um, it just means that, yeah, you, you don't have to feel like you're in one stage and you're moving to the next stage. You're just experiencing life together. And if you're, you know, spending time together, enjoying each other's company, that that is the relationship and it doesn't have to be going I don't know it feels weird saying it doesn't have to be going somewhere because by that I don't mean it doesn't have to have a future because it could have a future you could just stay happy like that forever and that's that's your relationship it doesn't have to move on you don't have to like ascribe to the context of what it means to move on or be the next step or going forward yeah that in itself is like an externally defined timeline yeah sometimes isn't appropriate for people like it's right for you i definitely used to subscribe to this as well i genuinely felt you know like on the relationship ladder every time i was in a relationship it felt like that and it felt like 
only as I've kind of gotten a bit older, a bit older, I'm only 25, but you know, it feels more like I can take a step back because I'm very old, take a step back and be like, no, a relationship is just, yeah, it's just what exists between people. And it doesn't, it's not a journey. It doesn't have to be a journey that, that goes anywhere. It's just for as long as you are happy and comfortable and enjoying each other's company, that's all it has to be. And putting these, yeah, yeah. You don't have to, don't have to play by anyone else's rules. (laughs) Well, good luck, Sarah. Live your truth. And the fact that you're asking this question makes me think that maybe you are in that place and it's not too soon because it's what you feel and if it's what you feel then go for it there's no such thing as too soon Mm. in this context (laughs) disney movies get it wrong because in do you did you notice (laughs) how in in disney films it used to be that they fell in love after like meeting that one time and now in disney films they make them like go on a journey together which is really nice they make them have some kind of bonding experience and they fall in love that way they don't make it seem like being in a heteronormative relationship is the happy ending of the story yeah like now sometimes married. it's like sisterhood is the happy ending which is nice yes i find it i always find or it finding funny. yourself yeah because i wrote i wrote my dissertation on <laughs> disney films and i remember talking about the fact that at the end of tangled it could end with a sorry spoilers for tangled if anyone hasn't seen tangled and cares about tangled spoilers because i know there'll be one person um at the end of tangled it could just be that the ending is a happy family reunion and she gets to be the princess again and that's the end. But they have to shoehorn in the wedding because at the very end, in voiceover, they're like, and we got married, the end. Like, no need for that. What, where is the need? Anyway, I think they're getting better at it, but they're not getting better at a lot of other things. So progress is slow in the Disney world. Anyway, we've answered that question. We've answered that question. Hey, did you see the pictures of the Star Wars land? At the, the new perspective Star Wars land? No. Oh, my. Wait, I'm going to send them to you right now. Oh, one second. my God. Disneyland Star Wars. <gasps> Shall I just Google um, it? Yeah, just Google it, actually. That's much quicker. <laughs> it, I am so excited. They, so these pictures came up yesterday as of the time we were recording the podcast. Um, feel free to, if you're playing along at home to <laughs> Google it yourself too. I am oh, so excited. Oh my god! It's like a full. Doesn't it look amazing? That's ins- it's it's a full like planet. Yeah. Oh my. There's a Millennium Falcon. <gasps> there is. It's so beautiful, and it doesn't look like cheesy Disney. It looks no. beautiful. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I have to go back to Disneyland. Is this Disneyland in California? They're doing it both, actually. So I think Ugh. the Disneyland one is going to be first, and they're also building a similar one in Orlando. Get me to um, Anaheim. I haven't been to Disneyland Anaheim, for years. Yeah. Well, I've been to Disneyland Paris, like, multiple times in the past couple of years, but I haven't been to Disneyland in You America. know, I've never actually been to Disneyland Paris. It's small. <laughs> and and But that you can buy beer, which is the most important thing. So, would recommend. It's small and you can buy beer. <laughs> Yeah. It's his favourite excursion. Like all of the fast food places will sell you beer and on a hot day you can get a beer and a like a seven up or whatever and mix them half and half and walk around Disneyland drinking a shandy and it's mm. primo. Anyway, um I was what I was gonna say is that we have new theme music. Courtesy we do. of Orla Gartland, who I 
absolutely love. She's a sweet, beautiful angel. Her music is incredible. Please check her out. It, I, me and Rosianna have conversations about all the time about how we're so horrified that she's not incredibly famous because she's so talented and she should be so, Agreed. she should be like a household name. I love her. Um, so thank you so much, Ola, for our new music. It is beautiful. Remember, you can send questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or you can use the hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter or tweet us at makeoutwithhim. Please do. We love attention. And that's that's the end. That's the show. Say roll the outro. Roll the outro. Love it when you say that. <laughs>